track at the wall. We are tied. Look at this. He's landed for I don't believe it. I don't believe it. Oh, drop in the big leg. Over for the cover. He got it. Unbelievable. He got it! The starter! Mike Tyson in! Austin is the champion! Stone Cold! Stone Cold! Stone Cold! Now the 2-2. Two -two. Well hit down the left field line. Way back and Touch the ball, Joe! You'll never hit a bigger home run in your life! Redzone Connection Podcast Network listeners, welcome back to WWE War, Wrestling Above Replacement, Episode 15. I'm JT. Joining me is my partner in this endeavor. That is Marcus. Marcus, how are you? JT, I'm doing great. Uh, spring is in full bloom. Baseball season is back, baby. Um, although I'm not pumped about the team that we have. <laughs> um, yeah, it's, it's um, yeah, I'm down bad, but... It's not a day if I don't get a promo, an anti-Yankee promo from you, just ripping uh, <laughs> all their moves, lack of moves. Oh, man, it's, yeah, well, well um, maybe, maybe that's for a podcast in the future, but I'm doing good, JT. How are you? Good. It's good to be back, as always, in the War Studios, of course. Uh, been, been fun to this point, already 15 episodes in, which is crazy. And if you're new to the show, Welcome. And if you're starting here, it's an odd choice, but, you know, welcome aboard. Or if you just need a refresher, we're going to give it to you. So on this show, we're going through every WWF pay-per-view pay season of all time. And we're doing it in random order. And when I say season, it's not calendar year, it's season. So we start with the first show following WrestleMania all the way to the following calendar year's WrestleMania. We consider that a season, the World Wrestling Federation. You kind of think of their booking year. That's kind of the way it tends to go. And we culminate with WrestleMania. We do a little year-end awards at the end of every season. And being the baseball nerds that we are, we have built and constructed this uh, enormous plus-minus system to rank every single pay-per-view on. And then we break it down here for you. We factor in match grades. We'll talk about that. And then at the end of the plus-minus, we total it all up. So each category has pluses and minuses. We net it out. And whatever that final score is is where the pay-per-view itself stack ranks against all of its peers. And then at the end, of course, we'll also be doing overall season ranks along with everything else. Uh, anything you can think of there, Marcus, we missed? No, I think we've um, 
calculated a fine science. We've got this down. Uh, we've created a fine system. Um, and the system has not let me down so far. Um, so I trust what we got going on. And um, yeah, I'm looking forward to uh, seeing how these shows shake out. And I think, you know, one of the things that we've seen play out so far in this third season that we're doing here in 1999-2000 is that because of the system we've crafted, uh, we heavily reward things like big moments, importance, commentary, atmosphere. Like, so it's not your typical, well, this pay-per-view had, you know, two four-star matches or five-star matches, one of the best ever. We are really ranking on the whole shebang. So we're including build, card structure, rewatchability. We get bonus points for if a match is an all-timer or uh, an all-time stinker loses a point. For us to have an all-time match, mm-hmm. you and I have to both be at four and a quarter or above. To be an all-time stinker, we have to be at three quarters of a star or below, and then adds and deducts points from there. So, I mean, that's, again, I think it in a nutshell, and it's led to some interesting scores, which we can go over now. We'll give our current standings, and then we can dive into our first show tonight. Uh, so you want to start us off? Absolutely. Let's start off uh, with our bottom rank show. That would be Over the Limit 2011 with a War of Negative 9. Night of Champions 2011 with a war of negative three. WrestleMania 11 with a war of negative 0.75. I always wish to get that little quarter star or uh, yeah. quarter star and get, get to zero. We just have one like flat show, but that was yeah. close. We won back Elimination Chamber it. 2012. Let's go finish it. Elimination <laughs> Chamber 2012 at 2.75. No Mercy 1999, the UK edition with a war of four. Rumble 1995 with a 5.5. TLC 2011 with a 6.25. Royal Rumble 2012 with a 6.5. King of the Ring 1994. How much does this guy weigh? 6.5. And we gave that the bump. Um, I always forget what our tiebreaker is. If it's just preference <laughs> or not. Overall matches, maybe. Uh, Survivor Series 94 with a 7.75. Extreme Rules 2011 with an 8.75. SummerSlam 1994. With a nine. Vengeance 2011 up there surprisingly with a 9.5. And right above it, Hell in a Cell 2011 with an 11.5. Rebellion 1999 from the UK with a 12.5. No Mercy 99, the US installment with a 13. Capital Punishment 2011 with a 13.75. WrestleMania 28 with a 14 and a half. King of the Ring 1999 with a uh, war of 16. Backlash 99, 16.25. Unforgiven 1999, 16.5. Survivor Series 2011, 18.75. The SummerSlam 2011 with a 23. Fully loaded 1999 with 26.25. Big, big performer there. Money in the Bank 2011, 28.75. And our top show today is SummerSlam 1999 with 38.25. Uh, so a full 10 higher than Money in the Bank 11, which I think would be a major surprise in general to most people. I, I assume Money in the Bank 2011 would be at the top. But again, given the way we're going about this and, uh, you know, a lot of these shows in 99 and 2000, as we'll see, do very well when it comes to those intangible categories because the crowds are so hot. The build is there. Everything matters. There's so much important moments loaded in the shows, and that just stands out above some of those other shows where something like in 2011 may have better in-ring action, didn't necessarily have as long of an impact or as much of a build or as mm-hmm. hot of a crowd. Or and commentary plays a big role in these, right? 99, you have Jim Ross and Jerry Lawler in the peak. 
and something like 11, 12, you have like one of the worst naters of WWE commentary history with heel Michael Cole and Jerry Lawler and Booker T doing most of the load. So like stuff like that has really weighed on both ends of these uh, of the spectrum for these shows. Yeah, absolutely. And, and of course, like I think in 2011, we're seeing uh, or we saw like much slimmer, trimmer cards um, that were more like concentrated on certain acts. Whereas in the Attitude Era, we're seeing most of the top, like almost every act in the company uh, get thrown out there on pay-per-view. And sometimes that's to the show's detriment. But sometimes with like SummerSlam 1999, it's to a positive because mm-hmm. everything hit. So it's got more opportunity to gain more war. Yep. And maybe more minuses, too, in some of the cases, for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but this has been so many positives in some of these. This is outweighed. And SummerSlam was a glaring example of that um, so far. So, all right, we're in the back end, the very tail end of 1999 tonight. We're going to actually finish the calendar year. And we're going to start with Survivor Series, which I will say going in, uh, to me, felt like a bit of a maligned show. I, I never remembered it super fondly, especially in-ring. So I, we'll see how that plays out. Um, obviously, it has a lot of big moments. But, you know, I think when you think of, oh, the fall doldrums of WWF, like 99, 2000 to me is always that stretch you really think of because the rest of the year was so hot. And mm-hmm. those always felt like a dip um, in quality. And we'll see if that holds up. So uh, why don't we head to Survivor Series? Joe Louis Arena from Detroit, Michigan on November 14th, 1999. Jim Ross, Jerry the King Lawler, of course, in the booth to narrate us through. And uh, Marcus, you want to run through the matches? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, let me, uh, sorry, pull up any dark matches. No dark matches, so let's start off with mm-hmm. uh, the pay-per-view. We've got the team of D'Lo Brown, the Godfather, and the Headbangers defeating the Acolytes, Bradshaw and Farouk, and the Dudley Boys, Bubba Ray and Devon Dudley. And, of course, that is a traditional four-on-four Survivor Series elimination match. Uh, I like this a good bit. I went 2.5. Yeah, I mean, look, it was fine opener. I went two and a quarter. It, it kind of harkened back, I guess, a little bit to... Some of the classic Sorry Series style openers. Um, it definitely remembered me a little bit of like 97 when they had the tags out there randomly. Um, but it was fine. Like, I, I don't, it didn't stink or anything. Uh, no. D'Lo looked, looked pretty good. Him and Godfather um, have kind of been semi-pushed here, I guess. I think they're trying to find something for D'Lo to do in the aftermath of uh, the draw stuff that, that kind of tempered his push. Like he was, mm-hmm. you know, we talked about it a lot in the summer, all the stuff with Jeff Jarrett and Mark Henry and, and the multiple titles. And now it seems like he's a little bit lost. So he does end up with Godfather and a team toward the end of the year. And, and again, this was fine. It was it was pretty academic um, overall. But, I, you know, I, I enjoyed it fine enough, I thought, to be um, be an opener. So, yeah, we're, we're seeing like the crossroads of the uh, like the, the end of the Russo booking and the start of like mm-hmm. this new regime. Um, and this match like kind of looks like that because you got Godfather and uh, D'Lo. And even the headbangers to a certain extent, which are from like that Crash TV, Vince Russo era of booking. And you're settling in with like the acolytes, the Dudley boys who are really stepping up the in-ring product, I would say, so far. And we're going to see this season. um, They've got like a lot bigger things coming. But uh, speaking of big things coming, it is a big debut as Kurt Angle is going to defeat Sean Stasiak. Of course, Kurt Angle making his Survivor Series uh, Survivor Series and WWF debut, I went with a score of two. Yeah, this is a big one. And I mean, you mentioned the Dullies before. We didn't really dig into that too much, but this is their first pay-per-view as well. Uh, we'll get into it later when we get to our plus minuses. But, you know, of note, and again, another thing we'll mention later, you, you pointed out, but we should call out, 
you kind of hinted at the new booking regime. We talked extensively at No Mercy how that was it for Vince Russo and and his crew and how we're now really into a new era and we'll see what changes from there. So just want to specifically call those out. I gave it two well as well here. It's an interesting match. Stasiak gets like the opposite of any reaction, <laughs> lack of reaction. And Angle uh, was interesting because it seemed like, and it was fitting because it's kind of four years to, to the uh, or three years to the day when the when the Rock made his uh, first appearance as the over the top, lovey baby face, you know, blue chipper star, and got booed. They kind of do the same with Angle, but this time it feels like it's by design. Like they're purposely making him so cheesy and over the top and wanting him to get booed to the point where he even gets the mic during the match. And is like, you don't boo me. I'm an Olympic medalist and all this other stuff. Um, the match is very basic. His angle beats him with what will become known as the angle slam or the Olympic slam. Um, and it was fine. I mean, it was look, it, it did what it had to do. Angle needed to go over here. Uh, so it made a lot of sense. And Stasiak was an easy body to feed to him. So this was never going to be anything more than just angle announcing who he is and that he's here. Yeah, they kind of take the best parts of, like, early, early Honky Tonk Man and The Rock, um, Mm -hmm. Rocky Maivia, and combine them, and you get, like, this Kurt Angle debut. And they really trust the audience. Like, maybe, you know, this is me looking back 20, you know, oh, gosh, yeah, a long time, uh, 20-plus years. But just, like, how much faith they have in the audience to be able to, like, get what Kurt Angle is doing and trust the audience to, like, boo and feed into it. Like, they don't come out and really, like, hammer you over the head with it. it's not exactly like the most subtle thing either. It's just it, it's it's a fun ride to go along with, and it's something new uh, to debut a character with, or something that hasn't been done in a long time. So looking forward to tracking Kurt Angle as we continue uh, on the back end of this season. I yeah, no, it'll definitely be interesting how they go about it, and it, it's funny because um, you know it's around this time three years earlier that he showed up in the crowd at ECW. Uh, they brought him in as kind of a local star who had just come off the Olympics. And we're angling, no pun intended, to try and get him involved. Of course, that was the night of the crucifixion with Raven, and he ends up. Um, I apologize for my of, religious iconography. Yeah, basically just pissed off, and ends up, you know, souring on pro wrestling for a bit before he found his way to the WWF and eventually onto, um, you know, screen. So it's interesting, and of course, you can hear about that and everything else extreme, especially in 1996. That's where we're at right now on the Extreme Three Way Dance Podcast every other Thursday. Myself, Jenny Smith, and Matt Souza going through the history of ECW. And like I mentioned, we're in uh, pretty f- like fall '96 time frame around now, and uh, we started in February '94, so we've made a lot of progress as we hurdle toward ECW's first pay per view in early '97. Yeah, you guys are in a, a really sweet spot uh, with that podcast, and uh, I, I know I look forward to it every other Thursday. Uh, our next match, we've got Gangrel, Mark Henry, Steve Blackman, and Val Venus defeating the team of the British Bulldog and the Mean Street Posse. JT, I went with a two. God, this is like one of the weirdest matches in, I think, company history. <laughs> Maybe definitely in Survivor <laughs> Series history. I remember sitting, I was at the computer lab in college and going on dirty.com and they announced this match there. And like, it was like in the computer lab, it was something like that. And just staring at the screen being like, what is this mix of names? That makes no sense um, to be put together in any way. It was, I mean, I guess the posse had kind of been working with Bulldog to this point, but this other team literally had like, no reason to be assembled. Gangrel, 
Mark Henry, Steve Blackman, and Val Venus. Just a bunch of heels kind of doing nothing, facing four other heels, one of which is like kind of a top heel still, I guess, in Bulldog. I mean, he's fading a bit, but it wasn't that long ago that we were talking about him endlessly, right? Like Rebellion or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> he was on screen all friggin' night. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. The whole thing is really, really weird. And it's pretty boring. We get the posse get eliminated quickly and Bulldog's left alone. And he actually mounts a bit of a comeback. He eliminates Gangrel and Steve Blackman. But then uh, Venus ends up eliminating and him and Mark Henry survive. So, I mean, I don't know if that was the right response, like right result. I have no clue. I don't think it mattered. Uh, Gangrel, I think we've mentioned this before, but it's crazy how much of a relic he feels like at this point. Like, he yeah. hadn't even been around that long. He's only been around, no. what, a year? Yeah, probably about a year. Yeah. Right. Summer 98, I think he debuted. It sounds right. It's just like he feels washed already. Like, it's crazy how quick he just dropped off. And it's not even like he had like that many angles or programs. Like, he's pretty much in his own universe. Like, he's in. He's done nothing. Yeah. He's, I don't think he's feuded with anyone. Like, he was kind of with the brood. Yeah, that's it. August 16th, he, he debuted. Um, he does the stuff with the Brood. He fights, uh, who's he fight for? Uh, X-Pac, right, for the European title of the Rumble. But even that wasn't a feud. Right. They kind of with the ministry. And then I guess the shit that we talked about with, like, him edging Christian against the Hardys and him going with the Hardys, like, kind of was a feud. But, and he actually stays till 01. But I don't know if we ever even see him again. He might be in the Rumble, but... Beyond that, like, I don't think we see him again, really, on pay-per-view. Yeah, I remember, like, seeing him all the time on, like, Jacked or uh, whatever syndicated show was going on at the time. But, yeah, um, really surprising, like, he's such a memorable character (laughs) that did Right, yeah, I feel like everyone, like, remembers him in the entrance and, like, stands out. It's just crazy how short his run of relevance is. Do you think that, like, the video game, because I can't remember if he's in No Mercy or not, but definitely WrestleMania 2000, like, I Mm -hmm. feel like. And um, WWE well, Attitude he was as in, well. Yeah, Attitude was the big one. Like that was actually a big selling point because that was the first one that really did like entrances and music, like full entrances yeah. and music, and like getting his theme and the entrance. I remember being like a big deal. And that game came out in August of '99, right? So he was pretty much faded by the time it was coming out. But I think I think he's just memorable for those couple of things and just the entrance. Honestly, I don't. I mean, he did nothing else of note. <laughs> beyond that the bloodbath too there's a guy that's literally lives like based on like those events not anything he did he's the um he's he's the attitude era version of the honky tonk man i think minus minus the great run it's it's incredible yeah, how say, he's yeah honky he's been, uh, at least was ic champ i guess and had that yeah. year run gangrel's just like he's more like the red rooster just with a cooler a cool entrance <laughs> so to this day he's getting those, those checks though <laughs> i think everybody wants to see gary go out um, well, everyone wanted to see him at SummerSlam last year, right? When Edge yeah. did the brute entrance. They had talked about it, right? Something came up. I think he was going to be part of it. Or, I forget the deal. but um, Or maybe it was a Christian going to AEW, screwed him. It was something like that where he was going to – they were going to bring the brute back, but then Christian left, I think. It was something along those lines. Yeah. yeah. He could have just brought Gangrel back. I'd be totally happy, but whatever. But, yeah, so, I mean, we'll see where any of this goes. Like, Bulldog feels like he's starting to – fade a little bit here but of anyone he's probably the most focused on because he kind of has to go one on one on four he gets a couple of eliminations it's clear that the posse are like a bunch of goofs and he's trying to carry them so i think he probably looked 
came off looking the best, I guess, of these eight guys, even though he doesn't win. Um, but the crowd really didn't care about it either. It was, it was just a weird match. Yeah, weird match. Felt like a randomized match on, uh, again, like on WrestleMania 2000 or something. Just mm-hmm. hit the random button and get four dudes. Uh, our next match, after mm. much deliberation, uh, behind the scenes peak, this one, uh, this one <laughs> caused a little bit of a rip. <laughs> it wasn't that bad. Um, we've got Deborah, the fabulous Moolah, Mae Young, and Tori versus Ivory, Luna, Jacqueline, and Terry. I went with a 0.5. Not originally you didn't, but yes, you did now. Um, I went with a point two five. This look, you know, I like to fancy myself as someone that could hold up in a fight, but Marcus would kick the shit out of me. But I did not back down on this one. I went right at him, and I was like, you know, no chance that you're not giving this a score that would put it as an all-time bad match because it's terrible. I hate this era of the women's division. Even at the time, it's not just me looking back and be like, oh, I would have preferred something like Charlotte. Like, at the time, I hated it. And it just felt so goofy after they had worked to kind of reestablish things. Like, yes. the work Sable had put in and Jacqueline had put in in 98. And then, you know, coming into 99 with, you know, even Ivory and Tori. Yeah. And, you know, they had done work to try and make the division believable and we've kind of devolved a little bit into like some hardcore stuff etc but whatever it's like they're at least trying to make it something and this has turned into a bunch of nonsense with you know mula and may was were a funny kind of one note joke that they then spent the next 15 years running it's running it to the ground <laughs> um honestly like, like i remember like thinking it was funny the first time right like oh look at these two old broads like getting in there and you know thrown down and then it just became okay Five segments on Raw, five segments on SmackDown. Oh, okay. Moolah's regaining the title with the worst pit of all time on Ivory. And, you know, they get a little bump when the Dullies murder them coming up, <laughs> which is fun. Um, but other than that, like, they're way past their expiration and, and on TV far too many times. And, look, I get it. Legends, et cetera. But they could have found a way to keep them relevant in the universe without being an active part of the roster constantly on TV. Um, and to me, it completely submarines what they were trying to build. Laying on top of it, you know, not against boobs, but like, like that's all we're doing with Deborah and, and Miss Kitty. And, you know, we're back to doing strip matches and all this other stuff. And I don't know. And then on the other hand, you got Tori and Ivory and Luna like killing themselves in these like backstage brawls and stuff. And yeah. it's like just all being overshadowed by this other garbage. So they just couldn't really decide what they if they, this division was supposed to be comedy or supposed to be hardcore or legit. Like, what was it supposed to be? It's like they just couldn't get it together enough. And this match to me is like another the No Mercy match and this match, like microcosms, that is how it will get even worse. But this is what this division has devolved into by this point. Yeah, it's um like I, you said it best. It, it's a joke gone on too long. Um and, and it's just disappointing because because we've seen some good work this season um, or, or, you know, adequate work uh, from the women. And uh, they've tried really hard to reestablish them. And then they just kind of throw it away for stuff like this and stuff at No Mercy. And we'll see as the season goes on uh, the next couple shows uh, what else we've got for the women. But um, all time bad. So we'll make a note of that. Well, and ironically, what ends up saving it that we'll get to eventually is it ends up becoming a prop for the hottest angle in the company. And <laughs> then it ends up bouncing back from there. So mm. the Nader is not long, but we're like in the middle of it right now. 
another thing that we're in the middle of is this feud as X-Pac is going to be taking on Kane. Uh, Kane picks up the win, and I went with a 2.5. Yeah, again, this was uh, fine. I went with a 2. This is where pay-per-views in, in our system, when it comes to match grades, can be made or broken, right? It's like kind of your bottom of the order. Is it going to lengthen your lineup, those you know seven through nine hitters? Or are they a real liability? So like when matches like this that are supposed to lengthen your card and, and carry the scores don't deliver is where you start to get into trouble. Because you look at the card on paper and you're like, oh, all right. You know, X-Pac and Kane is a hot feud. X-Pac's been on fire. Kane's had a great year. Like this has been a story building since like February with these two pretty much. So you really come into this expecting a lot. And you got X-Pac kind of back with DX. Uh, you know, oh, yeah, separate, you know, me and Triple H doing our thing. And then, of course, he ends up turning on Kane. So all this has been really well built. Then the match goes four minutes. We get the DQ finish. So it's like, mm-hmm. yeah, I get it. It's it's the appetizer for the feud, right? It's just course one. So fine. But the card is kind of relying on it, which is the problem. So, um, yeah, to me, it just never really got going. And it's four minutes. And it's really just meant to be... Um, part one of a long rivalry we're going to see. Right. Like X-Pac versus Kane here. It is a pay-per-view match, but the match itself is more of a TV angle. So uh, it, it's in that weird kind of middle ground for us. You went to, I went 2.5. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm hoping we'll see more. Uh, I know we will, but I'm hoping to see uh, better out of these two. Um, Cause I definitely know they're capable of it. I mean, we've seen Kane this season, physical specimen, um eight by ten world champ uh one of the most <laughs> impressive physiques uh and presence like we've ever seen somebody have and x-pac is usually um really solid unless he's got mm-hmm. a super long match with jericho and a uh a, a fan fight going on but other than that um these two usually bring the good so uh, i think they'll rebound uh our next match uh something else that's more of an angle than a match necessarily but it is a match officially uh, we've got the one-man team of the Big Show it's, uh, defeating Midian, Viscera, Prince Albert, and the Big Boss Man. I went with two. Yeah, I went two as well. Again, kind of more angle. And this one harkens back to four years earlier when The Undertaker and um, kind of not exactly the same, but it reminded me a lot of The Undertaker versus like the Royals match. Yeah. The difference is Taker's team didn't. Like they showed up, but they didn't really do anything. Undertaker just murdered the entire other side. <laughs> They're um, all witnesses. So this felt like that because Big Show eradicates his partners before the match backstage because he he had told the company he didn't want partners. He wanted Big Boss Man's head on a platter. We'll talk about why in a bit. Um, and daddy, at all costs, and he just didn't give a shit. And they gave him, they made him have partners, which is Blue Mania Kai and Tai, uh, which again, <laughs> maybe challenged that Gangrel team is the weirdest in history. Uh, and he beats him up backstage and wants to go it alone. And he cleans house in a minute and a half on Boston Midian, Albert and Viscera and just crushes them. So it's basically a squash, but I think it does serve a good purpose. And not only because it needed an immediate reheating a big show, but even if what happens later didn't happen, I think this was a good job to get him back up and running and show that when he's pissed and focused, like he can be the killer that Undertaker was trying to get him to be before he went on rehab. Absolutely. Like when you give him a little bit of story and you give him him and his character some motivation, uh, Big Show can like pull out the goods. 
we really haven't seen too much of it this season. But I mean, this right. is something, and I, you know, he does a fair enough job here to deliver, and uh, not the last that we will see of the big slow tonight. Well, and think about like what Chad and I've been talking about Wrestling Warzone, which has returned to the airwaves every other yes. Thursday, going through the Monday Night Wars. You know, Giant at his best in '96 has been when he's just a monster destroying guys, right? Just like snapping, losing it, and wrecking house. And they let him do that here. This is like one of the first glimpses we really get of him just being a dominant force. Because even for when he first came in, like he's kind of feuding with Austin. Like you're not going to get over Austin. Then he feuds with Foley. Then he's in that awful shit with Kane and the Union. He has the little bounce back with Taker, but he's treated like kind of a bitch, like even to that <laughs> team. So this is like the first real time we're seeing him just come out, be mad, and destroy people. And this is what got him over in WCW. So um, they finally do it here. And, and the Boston Feud is a fun one. It's one I've always enjoyed. We'll talk about it uh, when we get to our plus minus. But yeah, yeah and this is well booked. And if you want to see some uh, show stopping choke slams, like the old giant WCW style choke slams, I mean, this match has, <laughs> this match has mm-hmm. a bunch of them. Uh, I mean, he, he gets everybody up. It's really impressive to see the strength that he has. I mean, these are all three of them. It's some really big dudes he's tossing around in there. Um, yeah, Viscera. Yeah, that, I mean, he chokes Sans Viscera. Yeah, it's, it's insane. But uh, this will take us to our next match, JT, for the Intercontinental title. As we have China defeating Chris Jericho. Uh, I had some strong feelings about this match. I went <laughs> with a war of one. JT, what about you? All right, so I went with a 2.25. Um, I know you really hated it. Yeah. I, I've never been as high on it as a lot of people are. Like, I remember at the time this being really held up as like Jericho's breakthrough um, in this amazing IC title match, China brought the heat. And I think part of that was, we were a little bit starved on the WF side for great matches in 1999. Um, so this felt like, Oh shit. Like this really delivered. And, and like, yeah, to me, it just comes up short. Like a lot of weak strikes, the crowd is balking back and forth. Um, and then the finish was good. I think people remember the finish too, and held it up at the time, like China pedigreeing Jericho off the ropes, off the top, uh, which looked neat. But you know they get 13 and a half minutes, and China's been climbing here, and you know we've been pretty pro China, I think, so far yeah. through this season. She's been great, like one of the biggest stars by far. But to me, this was like a little below what the legend has. Do you believe? Yeah, and. You know, not to bring up my boy Double J um, for no reason, but um, we've seen Jeff Jarrett get like two really good matches out of China, I think. Um, and we've seen Jericho once he like comes back in or comes in, really like picks up where Jarrett leaves mm-hmm. off. And Jericho's just not there yet. Um, he definitely has a tons of tons of pros as a as a worker and his own character work, and he's different and uh, he's fresh and everything like that, but. 13 minutes is entirely way too long uh, to be out there with China at this point. I feel like they could have needed to do what they got done in seven or eight. And I mean, that is, that's a lot of time out there. Um, I I just thought the strikes were business exposing. Um, Really Jericho. Well, you can tell Jericho's holding back. Yeah. Right. You could tell he's not really laying it in and, you know, they're going to fight again. It's going to continue, so we'll see if, if the second one's better. We'll get to it later tonight, but um, yeah, this just just um, 
the crowd's there, but the match itself is just yeah. Black. You could you could just see like Jericho's dragging China from like spot to spot, um, and things are kind of just happening to happen. Right. Um, for some people, they they really like that style of wrestling, but I think this it, it just feels out of place. It, um, yeah, it it doesn't doesn't look good, doesn't age well. It's just. I don't know. It's got a spectacular finish. I'll give you that. the The pedigree off the off the top rope was really awesome. I remember that was in WWF magazine and all over mm-hmm. the place. So that was something really cool. They did at least build to a really big finish. So um, that's probably why I gave it at least a one. Because I mean, I was I was I was ready to go all time bad. Um, but um, and, and we haven't talked yet about the big angle. Cause we're gonna save that for the plus minus. But um, you know that played a little bit of a role here too. Mm. Like. Not even just with a live crowd, but on pay-per-view as well. Like, you're watching it, and that huge angle, you, know, you realize you're getting a little bait-and-switch probably in the main event. Like, the biggest star wrestling maybe on the shelf, and then you're going into this. So, it was like, it was kind of a tough... I could see maybe a little grumpy in the moment, too, for this, like, coming off of that angle. Yeah. Um, like you said, we got more uh, from these two coming up later this mm-hmm. season. Uh, we're going to get into the back stretch, back end stretch of the show as we've got another Survivor Series match with the Hollies and Too Cool uh, defeating the team of the Hardy Boys and Edge and Christian. I went 2.75. Yeah, I liked this, uh, you know, on the, on the upper end of what we've walked about watched tonight. So 2.75 for me, too. And honestly, it's the best match on the card other mm-hmm. than the main event. Um, so that, that tells you a little something. But, I mean, it's not surprising. The Hardys and Edge and Christian, obviously, are red hot coming off of No Mercy. Um, the Hollies have been entertaining. And then you mentioned Too Cool, who had just kind of showed up after, you know, they had originally been too much, Brian Christopher and, and Scotty Too Hotty. Um, and now they had become uh, Too Cool. So, uh, you know, it basically taken on like a, I guess, a public enemy gimmick, right? I mean, it's pretty, pretty much the best way to compare it. Yeah, like um, Eminem like is white, around white at this point, it. right? Yeah, it's like white rapper, but really turned up um jamie kennedy <laughs> yeah it's it's that it's it's that it's that whole scene um yeah but they it's kind of like out. public enemy it's it's kind of like public enemy i mean that had happened earlier this year so i wonder if it was supposed to be like a bit of a spoof on them um since they got chucked out of the promotion so quickly <laughs> and then we kind of get another version but uh, we will see we're gonna see if this kind of rehabs them and you know the, the match is good it's just surprising to me that Holly ends up surviving hardcore Holly of, of everyone in here. Not that he hasn't been getting a push, but you know, you have Edge and Christian and the Hardys really kind of coming off that hot, no mercy match. You'd think at least one of those two teams would, would survive. And they had kind of done the respect thing after that, where now they're, they're kind of friendly on the face side. Um, but they, they did think highly of the Hollies. We've seen that with, with hardcore all year where they positioned him um, both in the hardcore division and out of it. So not too much of a surprise, I guess, but I don't know. I guess I was a little surprised that either Edge or Christian or the Hardys didn't go over. Yeah, um, I am just glad to see, like, Hardcore Holly pick up a win, though, because um, he has been kind of a, a workhorse, as we've seen this season and, and as we'll go on. So it's good good to see, like, his team, you know, be on the winning end of things. Because I think a Hardy Boys, Edge or Christian win would have been the most obvious choice, but... I'm glad they didn't go that route. And it does help establish um, Too Cool as well, being on the winning side of things. Right. Uh, our semi-main event, 
is for the World Tag Team titles as the New Age Outlaws are going to retain against the team of Mankind and Al Snow. Um, boy, double doozy for me. Uh, I went with 1.75 and probably Billy Gunn alone just saved this from being all-time bad for me. Yeah, 1.75 for me as well. Man, this is like the depressing Foley stretch, really. Since he came back from the knee injury to this point so far has been rough to watch. And I know like, you know, him and Al Snow were buddies backstage and he's trying to help get him over and, and transition his heat a little bit. This also was notoriously the show that was meant to be um, maybe Foley's last match. It was right before this when he told Vince he was having problems with his memory and head issues. And Vince said, well, you're done. Like, you can't keep going. And he said, you're you're done as our series. And, and Mick said, I can't go out like this. So I think he knew he was in rough <laughs> shape. So he starts to get himself into gear and ask for one more run, which he gets, as we'll get to. Um, but for now, he's not looking good. Snow is just not happening. And I get why they wanted to try. But he was just really good in the hardcore stuff. And they should have just left him there. Because this ends up just not going well, and it's abandoned within months. But they're trying, and it's clear they're going to do something that's likely going to be him turning on Foley and feuding. And we'll get into that. But, I mean, Foley's at his peak around this time, too, just like professionally. The book was number one, I think, at this point. It had come out. Um, so, like, you know, he's probably, had, probably the peak of his notoriety out there, too. Like, just mainstream. It was mm. in the Chef Boyardee commercials. Yeah. Shasta McNasty. Uh, like, you know, all that <laughs> stuff was going on at this time. So... I get it. And then the outlaws, you know, a lot had happened with them too. They're back together. <laughs> like we haven't talked about that really yet, but DX pretty much all reunited around triple H being champion to uh, become his horsemen. They put their issues aside, Billy and road dog, you know, reunite. They reunited in their own at first and then back with the triple H. So everything happened kind of quick. Uh, but here we are <laughs> back at it. Yeah. I think this match kind of tells a story that we've seen play out this season. And that's, trying to elevate people up to the card as they know, okay, we've got rock, we've got Austin, we've got triple H. He's going to move up the card. We've got undertaker. And they're trying to like fill up people up into like that upper mid card. See who's going to break through into that main event spot. And they tried it with the outlaws when they split them up and it didn't exactly work out, especially for Billy Gunn. So they put them back together, put them right back in the role they should be in. Mm-hmm. And they're doing it here with Al Snow. And it's not quite working, and we'll see if they adjust. But at least points for, like, trying to elevate people and, I guess, push push these characters and see, okay, the fans are really into them. Will they be into them as a upper mid-carder? Will they be into them as a main eventer? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's that kind of risk-taking um, with characters and you know, I guess it, it rewards the audience. Like, okay, we've right. seen them win. We've seen them be in, you know, storylines. It's time for them to move up and be uh, elevated. And, you know, now, like, in this season, we're seeing it happen, like, during the duration of the season. Whereas now you see something like that play out after somebody's been in the company for 10 years. And it's like, oh, you've been here for 10 years and you've never had a title shot? Okay, well, like, now we'll try to do something with you. Just a kind of like a compare and contrast from then and now. But, um you ready to talk about our main event? Yeah, it's not the one that was advertised. Sure was not. Uh, of course, this is the night where Stone Cold Steve Austin got ran over by had, by that vehicle. Um, the Rock, Triple H, and The Big Show is going to mm. be the new, the new match. Uh, and Big Show is going to be, of course, the replacement for Steve Austin and leave with the title. 
I went with a 3.25. What about you? Yeah, me too. I, I like this match. I think they did a nice job piecing it together after the Austin news and inserting show who, like we just talked about, has been pretty cold coming into this. And, you know, there's a lot going on. And they were two of the hottest, well, the hottest face in the world right now, pretty much at The Rock. Um, and then Triple H, who's obviously is on the come up as well and starting to figure it out. This felt to me like a natural point to just give Triple H the belt. But I get why they wanted to, you know, if they were going to lose Austin and then you knew they were going to catch shit for the bait and switch. Like they knew he wasn't going to be able to work going into the show. And by not doing it ahead of time, they had to do something to send the crowd at least somewhat happy. So big show getting the payoff, especially after all the stuff with his dad and the boss man. There was some emotion behind it and he gets a good pop when he wins. And he looks strong. They book him strong in the match, which is, again, a very good match, especially given they didn't have a lot of time to hype it. I remember at the time thinking this was like a prime spot for test mm-hmm. to be inserted in coming off SummerSlam. Uh, he had the natural feud going on with, with kind of a DX who had been messing with him a bunch. And I felt like this could have been his elevation point mm-hmm. as even if it was interim and not long-term give it to him. I wonder if it was Russo, uh, maybe it would have happened still, but I think once the new regime came in, they didn't seem to be as high on test as far as having like long-term potential top face. And even at the show, we'll, we'll mention later, but he's kind of looks like a bitch a couple of times. Um, <laughs> yep. They kind of bitch him out. So yeah, I, I mean, the match is good. The moment's cool. Just a little surprising um, the way they go. Yeah. It's almost like after October, 1999, if uh, you are blonde, tan, muscular, and your name is not triple H, then, uh, you know, it's it's not a good look for you. It's not it's not the right time for you. Um, yeah, um, I mean, kudos to them again for heating up Big Show. Like I just said in, mm-hmm. in the last match, you know, they move him up into the main event spot. And, uh, you know, we've seen him kind of toil throughout a uh, good portion of the year, as you stated earlier. Um, it is cool that he gets the pin on Triple H and we've kind of seen The Rock like be unable to to pin Triple H. And we know like he can beat Triple H, he just hasn't. Like Triple H has always found a way to weasel his way out or get the best of the rock somehow. So we keep that going. But yeah, I really wish this was test. I thought it was gonna be test. Um mm-hmm. really disappointed looking back at it even more that it's not test. He's especially after the SummerSlam match. Like that dude seems so primed and there's always arguments. Well, and the fact that you know this is probably going to be short term, like, yes, would it have yeah. killed him to have a month as champion? But on the flip side, I can see this being a prime chance to get show back up and running. And they obviously paid a lot of money to him, mm-hmm. a big investment. So I can see why they thought, OK, well, look, let's make the best out of the situation. And maybe we can turn show back into a main event threat by putting him in here. What do you think was going to be the result if there was no injury? You think Austin just retained? <sighs> I think Triple H finds a way to retain. That's what I meant. Yeah, I think think Triple H finds a way to pick up a win. Um, To me, like, Rock, Austin, Triple H is, like, probably the greatest match to never happen. Right. And, yeah, I wish I could go back in the Wayback Machine and, and book that for some time where it actually could go down. But, yeah, I I think just the way everything's going, like, maybe there's some tension building between Austin and Rock and Triple H capitalizes on that. Like Rock and Austin cancel each other out and mm-hmm. Triple H finds a way to escape with the title. That's what I see as most likely. Uh just because like 
Triple H has been winning by any means necessary at all costs throughout the, the duration right. of the season. So I think that would continue. Yeah, I would assume he was never meant to lose it until Mania, is my guess, to The Rock. I would think at this point was probably the plan, that he would hold it till Mania and lose to The Rock. Mm-hmm. Um, with Austin getting her needing to hot shot something to make the crowd go home happy, you know, that that is what changed things up. Because the, the way they go back to Triple H within a month or so, you know. And we get the uh, uh, story. The McMahon Helmsley uh, vaccine. Uh, uh, we'll get to it. Uh, we'll get to it. All right. So that, that that's all our matches. So the way we do our grades, uh, we average out Marcus and I score. So on the main event, we both went three and a quarter. So it averages out to three and a quarter. We, if we consider two and a half being your baseline good match, uh, think of it as zero replacement level. Just that's, you know, if a match is a match, that's it. So then we uh, go plus minus over that to our average. So if a uh, replacement level match is two and a half, me and Marcus's average grade was 3.25. It gets 0.75 points. We tallied that all up plus and minus to give our total match grade score of negative 4.25, which is pretty rough. Um, Oof. But it stands out. Like if you listen to our grades, two, 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 like, you know, the highest was that main event. And the only other match over replacement level for us was the Hardys one. Everything else was two and a half or below with the bulk of them being in the two range. So honestly, I, I would think four two five may be lucky. Like it could have been yeah. worse. Yeah. But that's got to be one of the worst, I think, match grades we've given. So it was a rough card on paper, which is why it'll be interesting to see how these plus minuses really play out. Because um, I, I think, you know, if you're, if you're basing pay-per-views on just match quality and ring quality, like this is one that could would definitely be probably bottom tier of all time. Yeah, and it's hard because like I, I love all the Survivor Series matches and like they actually commit to the the gimmick of the show. But yeah, it's it's disappointing when you actually like put out the match grades. Right, and in a way, it was almost one of the most time honored ones because they did a lot of random teams, not just teams. Um, mm-hmm. The one thing you're missing is feuds, right? Like that Gangrel mess. But it was kind of cool to see a bunch <laughs> of random guys team together. Like that was kind of the spirit of the show when it was created. All right, let's get to our categories and our plus minus. So we'll start with build. Uh, we gave pluses for the big time triple threat dream match, like you mentioned. Made the greatest match to ever happen for the WWE. Uh, and it was interesting they were going to do it there, but it felt like a big thing. Like, here we go. Three, three huge names. Uh, all the Survivor Series matches uh, at least had some kind of build to them, even if it wasn't everyone involved. You had, you know, Show and Boss Man at the crux of that. You had the the tag stuff. Um, you know, Bulldog, I guess, was kind of feeling with the posse of nobody else. And then the opener, too, with, with the anger for the tag. So they put a lot of at least effort into building those tag matches. The reformation of DX to work with Triple H. X-Pac turning on Kane after after humanizing him. So it kind of made him a little bit weaker and then attacked that weakness. Of course, we had... All of the awesome builds, a big show and big boss man. Uh, boss man started teasing big show about his father. He uh, went to his mom's house and got her to admit on camera that big show was born out of wedlock. And he said, nasty bastard. And your mama said so. Nasty bastard. Uh, <laughs> then big show does the fake. And we find out big show's dad is, is, was already sick. And boss man does the fake, you know, your dad died. So <laughs> big show leaves the show. <laughs> but he hadn't died. Um, then we get the the funeral. Well, first you get Bossman's poem uh, with tears that are soaked. You know, your dad finally croaked. <laughs> it's an amazing poem. 
And then, of course, to top it all off, you had the funeral and the wake and all that, where Boss Man pulls up to the funeral graveside with the uh, old school, like, Blues Brothers <laughs> um, <laughs> police car with the big megaphone on the top. Check and just massive he pulls in and uh hitches it to the casket <laughs> and he pulls it away and pig show jumps on the casket and surfs it's like, like falls off and this is a guy who months earlier had killed a guy's dog and fed it to him so i mean i would i would postulate to marcus that i think big boss man's heel run from august of 99 till december of 99 maybe one of like the meanest human beings of all time in like history. It's what do you think of what he's done? It's goaded. And, and here's the poem. Here's the poem. With the deepest regrets and tears that are soaked, I'm sorry to hear that your dad finally croaked. He lived a full life on his own terms. Soon he'll be buried and eaten by worms. But if I had a son as stupid as you, I wish for cancer so I would die too. So be brave and be strong and get your life on track because the old bastard's dead and he's never coming back. Um, the cancer line is the one you always like got in the video packages and everything. Just brutal. Oh man. Yeah. So as you can imagine, we give two points for that <laughs> because it's, <laughs> it's just an all time stuff. One of my favorite angles ever. Uh, we also then had uh, the Kurt Angle vignettes. So we gave a point for that. And then the reunion of mankind and Al Snow as buddies uh, for now. Anyway, we give a point. Um, so what do you got on the negative side? Yeah, we've got uh, Jericho promising a gender reassignment surgery if he loses to China. Yeah. We went uh, with a minus two there. And the mess with the women's title, uh, we talked plenty about that. And we just went with a one there. But, yeah, we could have went with two. But it, it's, it's been bringing down uh, the back end of the season. We also gave two, I didn't mention, but to the Survivor Series tag match, because there's so many of them. So mm-hmm. uh, so then that's out to a six. So pretty good score for Bill, honestly, and pretty much cancels out the matches, which is good. So we'll see what else they can do here. All right, commentary. Uh, they are on fire for the back end of the show during the Hollies match, for sure, after the Austin angle, um, which, mm-hmm. again, we haven't talked about yet. But, like, Lawler just going in on Ross. Ross just like so fired up and then so into the big show match and all that. So we give them a two because they were really locked in. Of course, they always get a point for their natural bickering, uh, a point for red ass Jr., uh, a point for doing, doing a great job establishing Kurt Angle. Um, they do a nice job herring home, like the importance of being in Detroit and Joe Lewis of the Survivor Series history, but it's not over the top. Uh, a point to Jr. He mentions the acolytes going on a barroom tour, which I thought was good because mm. it's going to tease their upcoming angle. Uh, after a vicious chair shot to Bubba, he goes, Jim Ross says, uh, or King says, I don't think Bubba stutters anymore after that chair shot. That was good. Um, them just, you know, one of the highlights of May and Mula being involved has been them just destroying them on commentary. So point for that. They were really good on the uh, relationship between Kane and X-Pac and all the history, giving good insights. And then Jower, just a point worthy line. Just because you had eight failed marriages doesn't mean someone else can't have a happy relationship. <laughs> Oh man, yeah, they're they're good there. Um, but with the positives with this team, <laughs> often brings also a bucket of negatives. So sure, sure does. Uh, especially Kings on a, a tour de force here. Uh, so we got King hammering with the puppies, calling for more man on woman violence, 
it gets to the point that even Jim Ross has to say something about oh, yeah. it. Um, Enough. Yeah. So we went minus two there. Uh, it, just the fact that it, like Jim Ross had to speak up and be like, yeah, what is it with you wanting to see like women get beat up by men? Uh, and uh, King had to walk it back a bit. Uh, King is walking a tightrope the whole night, um, especially during the opener between well, you got the hose out there. You've got Bubba stuttering gimmick. You've got um, the baby face team and the pimp outfits. He's got it's a lot. It's yeah. a lot for him to to maintain without going off the rails. A lot of material for him to work uh, work with. Constant homophobic comments uh, from Jim Ross during the Val Venus match. We've got King calling Kane the big R, a uh, big red R word. King is mm-hmm. obnoxious with the sex change stuff for Jericho. He really hammers on that. Um, relentless during that contest. Constant talk about Grandmaster Sexay with JR, Troll, and King. Uh, they're getting pretty petty with each other. Mm-hmm. Uh, King nonstop trolling JR about uh, not being sensitive or caring about seeing Steve Austin get ran over by a car. Uh, it, it does get old pretty fast, and it kind of takes away from the back end of the mm-hmm. card, which for, for this show, um, that was the best stretch of the show. So we went with a minus two there as well. And that kind of cancels out them being on fire because, like, JR is really good through all that. Um, but it's canceled out by King here, who just, and I'm sure this was Vince in his ear, but just constantly through the whole match going on, uh, the whole last two matches going on and on about how JR doesn't care. He's still calling the show. And if my friend was hurt, I'd do that. And he just brings it up every 30 seconds. And you could tell that JR is just like at the end of his fucking rope over it all. So um, it is it almost like, especially in the edge and Christian match, like you can't even, or even actually more so, I think it was during the outlaws match. So you can't even focus on the match. It's like literally all they're talking about. Yeah. So. And I think we talked about this, uh, not to bring private conversations to uh, the air, but given what happened earlier in the season with the unfortunate incident with Owen Hart, um, you had mentioned like, you know, kind of like, were they trying to play off that a little bit? And I mean, I you can't. I don't think you can put it past them. Um, it felt a little like bit it. like it. Well, yeah, I don't know if they were playing off it, but I think they were taking advantage. Yes, of the tone they set that night to convey that something bad had happened. Yes. Yeah. And it's a weird middle ground because it's not really an angle. It is, but I mean, Austin legitimately is hurt. So, like, obviously, I'm not comparing this, but it's like to them, I can see why it's like a major blow that they should be serious about. But yeah. it's it's ballsy to put it in that same tone. There, right, there, but, there's a way to dial it back and not be as serious. Yeah, um, specifically yes, with talking it isn't about a pure angle, but it it still is. Yeah, and like especially talking about like stopping the show going mm-hmm. to check on like that, that walked like a really fine line, I think. Um, and, you know, maybe it's just something they didn't think about, but um, yeah, it's, it's something, you know, we mentioned and, and discussed and yeah, you know, eh, who, who knows, but yeah, minus uh, total score three for them for commentary. Yeah, so <laughs> there's a lot of pluses and a lot of minuses. Um, so it all, all boils down to that plus three. 
Our atmosphere, uh, of course, as always, to open the show, big pop for Godfather. Mm -hmm. Uh, Really cool different camera shots during the entrances to showcase the teams. Edge and Christian, the Hardys, have suddenly found themselves being red hot as well. They get a big pop. The Rock always, of course, gets a monster pop. Kane, monster pop. The atmosphere is awesome for his entrance. Uh, the classic entrance of Gangrel will always give a point for that. <laughs> you know, maybe the last one for us. Um, the crowd was really into those near falls on Jericho China into the finish. And then the crowd really wakes up in that main event and is like red hot for that. Yeah. And uh, we'll get into the negatives or the minuses here. Uh, almost no reaction for Big Show as Austin's replacement. We have uh, the show poster and the logo font is notable, noticeably different from the branding mm-hmm. in the arena. Uh, you've got a really cool poster uh, with The Rock in one of his $500 T-shirts. Uh, not T-shirts, but $500 dress shirts. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, like, this gold and, and white kind of theme to the show. And what we end up getting is something that looks like like a coaster with made out of, like, fuse beads <laughs> or <laughs> like those things that kids play with. Like, yeah, that, yeah. that's what it reminded me of. It's like those little beads that get all over the place. But, you know, you put the iron on top of them, they melt together. Like, hey, look, I made a, an octagon or, you know, whatever shape. Like, yeah, it, huge disappointment. It always stood out to me. So we went minus two there because I don't know what was going on. Mm-hmm. But uh, very unusual for them to do something like that. Uh, Stasiak and Angle, uh, silence and uh, getting boring chants from the crowd. We've got uh, Mae Young's absurd 1940s song, Puppy's yeah. Chance during the women's match. Oh, baby. Oh, baby. Oh. Uh, <laughs> no chance for any seriousness whatsoever. The crowd's starting to turn on China and mm-hmm. becoming pro Jericho. So that all lets out to a one. Uh, so pretty. Again, you can see a lot of positives, a lot of minuses on these. All right, notable moments. We'll see. This is usually where these shows have been carried, so let's see if this is the same. Uh, Four Godfathers was was kind of cool, seeing them all dressed as like a memorable moment where they're all wearing the pimp outfits in the opener. We gave it a two for the Austin whodunit angle. You probably could even have gone higher, honestly. It's it's one of the most famous pay-per-view angles in the company's history. Uh, Big Show winning the title and starting his mega push. Kurt Angle's debut gets a point. Uh, the explosion of Kane and X-Pop, because that's been such a season-long act for us. It's been such a big part of the card across the tag division and singles division. So to see them finally blow up was a big moment. Uh, the ongoing trend of Survivor Series being the place for future stars debut. Like, hmm. I don't think that could be overlooked. You get The Rock, you have Undertaker, and now you got Kurt Angle. Like, it's it's kind of becoming like, oh, here's the next big thing showing up on these shows. Um, you know, Bulldog still surprising to me. Like, is this maybe it for him looking strong and jacked and pushed uh dx going full horseman and protecting triple h so that's obviously going to become a big part of this x-pac kicking tory that's going to be a huge plot point uh big show slamming viscera during his big dominance in that match was a cool moment we get the debut of the classic china theme don't treat me like a woman don't treat me like a man and then uh triple h backstage flirts with stephanie uh Mm. at one point so a little foreshadowing uh, two cools pay-per-view debut as a team under this new gimmick, and then China's super pedigree, which uh, again was a real memorable moment that you think about when you think of this show and that match. First up, here we go. Uh, we have the on-screen <laughs> character assassination and complete cucking of Test by Triple H backstage, uh, talking about his busted nose and the size of his nose and. 
Um, you know, Tess never gets a chance to get his heat back. He just mm-hmm. you know, gets cuffed. Uh, you know, nothing really else to say. Well, they even it. tease it because he's one of the guys that checks on Austin. Yeah. Um, backstage, so you think, okay, here we go. And they basically say, like, it's not going to you. <laughs> like, he leaves. You know, it's like, it's it's just so demeaning. Like, they don't even tease it could possibly be him. So we give it to for that whole, just the way Tess was treated. It seemed like he was a natural fit for this. And they don't go with it. And and they involve him. If he wasn't even at the show, they would have been better off saying that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, they could have said, um, hey, like, Tess isn't here tonight. He's on... He's at WF New York or he's on, you know, at an event or something, right? To explain why he wasn't there to help support the family. And then, then at least you don't make him look like a bitch. Like, he's in the hospital for like, his nose. Right. Yeah, do that. There's a million things you could do. Yeah. Um, what else do we got here? Uh, oh, we've got uh, Chris Jericho picking up where, Je- where Jeff Jarrett left off with China and kind of being the misogynistic heel. Mm-hmm. Big Show healing up on his whole entire team, which feels like something that you could get away with with The Rock. You could get away with, right. with Stone Cold Steve Austin, um, but it does not feel right when The Big Show does it. Another Survivor Series screw job. Uh, I, yeah, so over it. Um, the Headbangers are still around. I'm talking about relics. I mean, they, they definitely feel like relics as well. The Chaz angled, uh, thankfully, is dropped. Uh, where he was um, suspected of being... It just shows that they're just, like, back to being the old headbangers. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Really disgusting uh, unprotected chair shots by Bradshaw to D'Lo and Bubba. I understand D'Lo and Bubba are trying to earn their stripes and press people and make it look good, and they're from the ECW, and that's just how business was handled then. But um, some pretty gross um, Mm -hmm. chair shots there. And... um, Horny heel team, uh, Mackinac Cole, mm-hmm. uh, and Ivory losing clean to the fabulous Mula in the year of 1999. Yep. So look, this still ended up being a good category plus six for moments, but, um, again, the negative really hurt it from popping up. So negative 4.25 for match Ooh. grades. Uh, so not good there. Uh, card structure, we have a, the great through line of the Austin Rock Triple H stuff that goes all through the night, of course, with the Austin angle. So that really, the whodunit kind of carries things through and in, in what's going to happen. Um, you know, they ended with the three big matches, so they really kind of crest into a, a good spot. And then uh, great footage, of, uh, use of footage from Heat to help push the show, which has been a strength of theirs over the past year. And then, of course, uh, opening with Godfather always makes sense because, as we've seen all through the 99 so far, that gets the crowd off to a really good start when you bring him mm-hmm. out first. Yeah, pimping ain't easy. Uh, on the minus side of the card structure, what we have is that uh, this show definitely could have done without the ladies' match. Too much time for China and Jericho. Um, mm-hmm. All together, the whole segment goes nearly 20 minutes when you factor in uh, video packages and entrances and everything like that. The uh, tag team Survivor Series match following the IC match uh, is a little tough spot. Crowd getting a uh, a bit fatigued, excuse me, mm-hmm. with uh, no true top face team in there. And um, just a, a really weird match with like eight heels. Uh, you mentioned like it has a roster imbalance mm-hmm. and long backstage stuff with Austin really drags out. It is a huge angle, but at the same time, it is a pay-per-view and 
it does get overplayed a little bit, but at the same time, like it is a super important angle. So there is some balance to be had there. I mean, they could have been, they could have just broken it up more, like going to a match, come back. He's still getting loaded in. Like instead we spend just a lot of time back there straight through with them. So, and included that as poor test. Our rewatchability, which is where we kind of include just like fun moments, spots, uh, you know, we don't we try and avoid like matches per se here. It's just more like like gifts. Think of it like gifts, right? Like like what would the gift be that you just watch over and over mm. coming out of the show? Um and for me, as much as I hated the match and all of it, the beginning of the women's match, Mula comes around the ring like fucking Goldberg and spears Ivory <laughs> on the floor. And if that's all they did, I would have given it five stars. It goes from there, but she just comes <laughs> hurtling around the post and just takes her out. With a spear, and I was like, "Holy!" I actually popped out of my seat. I was like, "Oh shit!" I was like, "Look at Goldberg coming through um, and sparing Scott Hall or something." It was like nuts. It just it wipes her out of the floor. Um, yeah. So really, really cool moment there. Yeah, and uh, thankfully you can't put commentary in to give form, but uh, the commentary on the back end of the show after Austin gets hurt, uh, we talked about the um, back and forth that Jr. and King really have. So uh, that's going to factor into the minus here. Yeah, so think of that as like, you know, what would stop you from wanting to rewatch parts of the show? And that that's a big one. That that yeah. commentary is rough. All right, so then that's out to zero. We had one bad all-time match. That's the women's match of a negative one. And that brings us, Marcus, to a total war for Survivor Series 1999 of 8.75. So it's right below SummerSlam 94, tied with Extreme Rules 2011. Toward the, I guess, middle, low middle is kind of where it's settled. And I got to say, I think it overperformed a little bit. Um, yeah, definitely. When you look at the match grades and historically what you think of this show, it's really, again, like most are in this hour, stay by the moments. Uh, but a lot happens. It's it's a fairly important show, <laughs> like honestly, uh, even though it, it doesn't hold up as one you may want to throw into rewatch on nostalgia or whatever else. Yeah, it's like, um, I mean, it is it is a Survivor Series. Like, they definitely honor the Survivor Series mm-hmm. style matches and stuff like that. But as far as, like, the angles and some of the matches, it's like paying for a Raw, but not in necessarily a negative way. Like, you're getting a pretty decent main event with a surprise entrant and a super huge angle. Um, and, of course, you got, like, the really good heel work by Big Boss Man leading us into the show, too. So, um, yeah, definitely overperformed for me. I would have expected a war, um, honestly, closer to the zeros, but uh, 8.75 is, uh, I think, pretty good for the show. All right. Very good. Um, listen, be sure to check out everything going on at the North-South Connection. Great shows like this that just nerd out of a wrestling uh, cover in-depth all sorts of different eras of wrestling. We mentioned earlier ECW, uh, the Monday Night Wars, the Ruthless Aggressive Era, we have all kinds of other projects like this where we do different lists and different rankings. Um, you know, minutia, like like breaking down every single Royal Rumble match appearance by every single wrestler. Chronological deep dive on Beverly Hills 90210. We have a podcast about wrestlers that are in movies and the movies that they're in. Um, so just tons of great content that we're super proud of. And we also have Cronoso Daily. So we literally have content every day. Um, every weekday we have a podcast drops at eight, eight in the morning, more of a pod blast that usually between 10 to 12 minutes. And we're going through every day of pay-per-view Saturday's mid event match in history, chronologically, um, just one a day with a different voice. We rotate 12 voices 
and it's it's cool because you get like different perspectives on the same show and it's it, a quick listen it's easy to listen to it only takes 10 or 11 minutes you're on your morning commute or just getting ready getting dressed it's there for you when you wake up um and i've really enjoyed all the hard work that that crew's put in yeah the crew's absolutely been uh crushing it with uh the Cronoso daily it's um it's it's like a sampling of everybody, like a, a nice uh, appetizer sampler or something like that. Um, everything you're getting is really good, but everybody has their own style of delivering. And, you know, they're short, they're short uh, pod blasts, you know, 10, 15 minutes. So um, I really look forward to hearing from everybody and just all the different styles and takes that everybody has. And uh, also can't wait for you and Aaron to uh, get through now entering the Rumble. I mean, you guys only have, what, another... 28 years left of this project <laughs> repeats with damien demento that's all I'll say. <laughs> not tenor <laughs> aaron's nemesis tenor <laughs> oh man um are you ready to dive into our next show Yeah, let's head over to Armageddon 1999 to close out the pay-per-view year, uh, calendar year, not the season for us, but the calendar year from the National Car Rental Center in Sunrise, Florida. So as usual, I feel like for a stretch here in December, they t- head to these tiny Florida arenas, but here we are. Uh, not too tiny, though. actually, it's 17,000, so yeah, what say. it's not that tiny, but Sunrise isn't like the biggest area. Um, so yeah, uh, Jim Ross, Jerry Lawler, as always, on commentary, of course. Uh, we do have a heat match. You want to cover that? And then the full card, Marcus? Oh, gladly. Oh, how, how our boy has fallen. What it, look how look how, look what they've done to my son. Uh, Al <laughs> Snow has defeated Test. My oh, lord. And, oh, <laughs> no. Uh, I can't believe they did him. I mean, at least it's heat and not dark. So it's televised. It's a step so down lost. for Snow. I mean, Snow, Snow was just in the tag title match. I mean, we'll see him again later, but... <laughs> Yeah. Oh, man, I'm so sad for it's Andrew. Uh, but let's get on with our show. Uh, oh, we're opening with a big match here as uh, the Acolytes are going to win a battle royal to determine the number one to contenders to the WF Tag Team titles uh, at the Royal Rumble. They're going to win by last eliminating the Hardy Boys. Uh, also in this match, we have, I'm pull up real quick, we've got the Accolades, the Hardy Boys, Godfather and Mark Henry, the Headbangers, Edge and Christian, the Dudley Boys, the Mean Street Posse, and Too Cool. I went with a three. Uh, yeah, I gave this a... Back there, I gave it a three as well. This is pretty fun for a, this random tag team battle royal opener, and I do like a lot how... They gave us a reason to have this. Like they said, okay, the winner is going to take on the champions at the Rumble. So it's a natural aggression storyline. And we suddenly found ourselves for a year that had a lot of, I don't want to say down, but not like a lot of depth in the tag division. They relied a lot mm-hmm. on main event level stuff. Yeah. We suddenly have a pretty robust division. Like Edge and Christian, the Hardys have established themselves as players. The Dudleys are kind of getting there. Like you can see that they're going to be something. You have the Acolytes, who are, have been well-pushed all year. You get the Outlaws, who aren't in this match, but they're they're here, right? They're around. Um, the Headbangers, who, even though they feel washed, are still former tag champs. Like, And they're at the bottom. Like, So it's a lot of depth, you know what I mean? 
Um, and even now, Godfather's with Mark Henry, no longer with D'Lo, so that's been a change, I guess. Uh, but just a, a lot, uh, a lot of depth suddenly. So this ends up being a pretty fun little match. I mean, I guess you could have, if you wanted to do something, you could have done like Acolytes versus Edge and Christian or versus the Hardys and maybe got a little bit more out of it. But I don't know, the crowd seemed into it. Like, I, I this is a pretty fine opening match. Yeah, I thought this was a good call. And doing the gimmick where, like, the the winners are going to face the tag champs at the Rumble. I mean, you're giving four or five weeks to really build up whoever's going to win this. So I think it, like, especially during this era, uh, when they're taking more chances and elevating more people, it really opens the door as to, like, okay, who could actually win this? Like, the Dudley boys, to me, like, even though they're new, they feel like a threat. Edge and Christian feel like a threat. The Hardy boys. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the Accolades, of course, end up winning the whole thing. So, like, that, that's four teams there that are very believable uh, to win this whole thing. Uh, our next match, we have the uh, recently debuted Kurt Angle defeating the Lethal Weapon, Steve Blackman. I went with the two and a half. Yeah, me too. Uh, not a ton here. I mean, again, it's kind of random because Blackman's been a heel for most of the year and like at Survivor Series, he's in a heel heel match. This he's kind of in a heel heel match. We talked about it when we just talked about Survivor Series. There's a real roster imbalance right now, especially in the mid card. It feels like we're very heel heavy. Um, it doesn't feel like we have a lot of faces on that side, even like right down to Jericho and like, you know, China is like one of the top <laughs> singles faces right now. So it's like, it's just like a weird scenario that we're in. So we don't, it feels like angle could have had someone else to face off with here. Might have fed him a little bit more. I like Blackman, but it's just clear that Angle's not quite ready yet. And Backlund's not the kind of guy that's going to help get him to there. Um, you know, Angle ends up winning clean, but then Blackman attacks him with a pop, which is weird. So, I don't know, the whole <laughs> thing is just weird. Uh, it just, I feel like we could do more with Angle already. Yeah. The Angle, like you said, Angle already feels like a character you could be doing more with. And seven minutes is. These, I mean, six forty-two, so almost seven minutes. That's that's a decent amount of time on pay-per-view to be trusting uh, Steve Blackman and Kurt Angle with. Um, mm-hmm. Could have cut probably two minutes off of this and been been a lot better off uh, with a shorter match. Yeah, I, I mean, looking at the rest of the cut, like it's so many heels. I don't know who they could, you know, who else could have even stepped in to fight Angle. I, I don't know <laughs> at this point. This is it's such a heel-heavy roster. I mean, China and Vince are like taking up face lines. yeah <laughs> like like everyone else is almost a heel almost everybody else and we'll see it again in a, in a match coming up it's like besides kane and, and then when you're teaming rock and foley it's like yeah there's just not a lot there um to work with so yeah uh next up we have for the women's title and this is the uh make sure i get the uh, match right here this is the evening gown pool match for the WF Women's Championship, as Miss Kitty is going to defeat BB the e, uh, the EMT, <laughs> Ivory, and Jacqueline. It only goes three minutes or so, but uh, I went with a .25. Me too. This is obviously a very infamous match with a very infamous moment uh, where what, what the loser had to get stripped down, basically. Kitty wins, and everyone's disappointed because they want to see her strip. And she says, you know, she's one to please the fans. And we get our first ever nudity on WF pay-per-view, um, which is surprising they waited this long to do. Uh, Jackie challenged that back in 98, a fully loaded, her and Sable came close. Um, but this is the first official. Kitty takes off her top and we get the flash of her boobs. And then we cut away and 
it only really aired on that official first airing. Um, and it's an infamous story for me. So I didn't see the show live. But my buddy Jim, who had the black box, uh, recorded it for me. The problem is his box every like ten, five to ten minutes or so would do this weird like picture shake where like it would almost like go not like lines would come across it quick. It would like flip and it literally happened right when she took the top off. So I had to go search it online to get the actual footage because even the copy he did live had that glitch um, right that exact second. Uh, But again, it's just, again, we're just demeaning the women's title. They're fighting in a pool. Um, Yeah. It's a good TNA moment, but it just shows you that we're sinking really deep with the women's title. Like now Miss Kitty's our champion. She's not showing any yet, you know, being adept in any way of wrestling or trying to wrestle. Um, it's just a weird position we're in. And this talent, yeah. look at the rest of the match, like Jackie and Ivory, like they can work, you know, it's, I don't know. It's not a good place. And how apropos that this uh, match involves a pool because this division has sinking down to the bottom mm-hmm. as far as it can go. Um, and the nudity feels like something they would have pulled during like summer, fall 98, as opposed yeah. to here in the winter of 99. Yeah, it seems late. <laughs> yeah, way late. Um, yeah, oh, that's all I'll say about that. Um, our next contest, we have Rikishi and Viscera losing to the team of the Holly Cousins. I went with a 1.5. What about you? Yeah, again, uh, 1.5, and here we are with heels. I mean, the Hollies are sensibly a heel team. Rikishi has come in as a heel, even though it's starting to turn. He's already kind of with too cool, um, which happened real fast. And, uh, you know, Rikishi's obviously fought to former head shrinker, former making a difference, former Sultan back here again for a new try to get him in a sumo garb. And I remember him really standing out at first because he started using that Rikishi driver, which was mm-hmm. nasty. He gets away from it. But I remember being super like, oh, shit, like this guy's going to be good. Um, but him and Viscera is such a random team, and they have their issues. They don't even get along. He kicks them, and then they lose, which made no sense to me. You know, like, like what are we doing? Why is Rikishi losing? Why the Hollies winning again? Um, you know, why is Viscera not taking the fall? Why is Rikishi taking the fall? Just none of it made sense. And, yeah, one and a half. But here we are. It just points to it. More heels just filling up the roster. I mean, it's so light on faces. Even though Rikishi's going to get there quickly. We're still at this point on the show. Another heel. Yeah. Rikishi is a guy. I think they trotted him out on like jacked before they really had him redebut on raw. And he used a Rikishi yes. driver. And it was like, uh, I, I, like it was like seeing the F five or the jackhammer. Like it was seeing one of those all time mm-hmm. finishes. Um, and just like the gasp that the arena had, it's almost too good of a finisher for the role that they had slotted for him. I feel like, right. Um, but yeah, he's, he's using that here. Complete monster. It's a kill finish. It's super cool. Um, and yeah, excellent call to put Rikishi with too cool. I don't know whose idea that was or how they even, who, who even had like the vision for it, but, um, it's going to create a lot of great moments as we go forward. I feel I like, like it was a random thing. Wasn't it like, didn't they just do it one time randomly and it got over like, or was it the plan? I'm not sure. I can't remember uh, Yeah, if it was meant to be or not, but yeah, I remember Rikishi was on heat a couple times, too, with the driver. I think they realized if they were going to push him up the card, he wasn't going to do that to everyone. Mm. Um, but it's sad that he completely abandons it altogether because it's such a nasty finish. 
It's yeah. basically a Steiner screwdriver. I mean, that's yeah. Without he doesn't do like the suplex piece. He just holds you like in a tombstone and sits out. But um, it's the closest thing to a Steiner screwdriver as you're gonna get. Yeah, absolutely. If you haven't seen it uh, or you need a refresher, I would go seek it out YouTube or mm-hmm. whatever. It's it's pretty cool. Uh, we have another contest. It is for the European title, and it is a triple threat match as Val Venus is going to win the, inter- the European title by defeating D'Lo Brown and the British Bulldog. I went with a 2.75. Yeah, it was fine. Uh, just a rudderless division. Though. Like It's kind of like, what are we doing? Bulldog had won it. Or Brown to Brown was champion, right? Coming in. I don't even know. The whole thing's convoluted. Bulldog won his European title. Um, you know, Val, again, we got three heels. Well, I guess D'Lo's a face. We got two heels. Um, Val's been in a weird position most of the year. He wins here. Uh, this really is the end of Bulldog. Like, he lingers since 2000, but he's pretty much on gas, on fumes by that point. <laughs> gas literally on fumes uh, by that point. But this is really kind of his final. I think match it meant anything uh, in the company. So just, yeah, this felt like a bit of a throwaway. It's fine, but the European title division seems random. D'Lo's up and down. He's with Godfather. He's not. He's in the European picture. He's not. Like, just, I don't know. Everything's just, you could tell they're in a major reset, I guess. Everything's very ragged right now. Yeah. This the is... roster's imbalanced. The title picture's are messy. Like, everyone's everywhere. This is the poorest man's version of the rock mankind ken shamrock mm-hmm. triple threat cage match from i think that's breakdown yeah, yeah um where it's like okay we're gonna put three super over acts that are all uh hovering around the main event picture and kind of like aggressive expansion who's gonna who's gonna who's gonna grab the uh, proverbial brass ring uh and like they kind of let the crowd lead them um you know okay who are we really behind um, this is what this match reminded me of just on a really, really scaled, scaled down, sadder version. Um, yeah, Venus is back from his little uh, attempt at going up the card. D'Lo Brown, as you said, Bulldog. Like, it's just everybody's on on the decline, and it's like, okay, who's going to avoid completely bottoming out? So, yeah, 1.5 uh, combined, or uh, 2.75, excuse me, from us. Our next match, we've got uh, Kane taking on X Pac, and I went with a three point two five. And yeah, I, with a three, yeah. I, I should say real quick, this is a uh, steel cage match. Yes, and I'm with a three, and this is kind of the match we were hoping for. So I have a series. Uh, this one's really good, and Kane wins definitively. Wins clean. Uh, choke slams him off the top of the cage, and then tombstones him, and just a definitive. So you would think this is it. Like we're done with this feud. He, just destroys them. Um, date minutes. You know, we've been fans of both these guys all year and they really brought it in this match. Kane looks awesome. He's getting huge pops. Like this is, you know, we're kind of peak Kane right now. And uh, you would think this is the end of the feud. It'll continue. And they found a good way to make it continue for sure. Um, so no, this is a nice addition to the middle of the card here. Yeah. Um, I, you know, this is something closer to the match. I was hoping they'd have. Mm-hmm. From the last show, I love Kane and X-Pac. Um, you know, two of my favorite characters from the Attitude Era. It's like what they do in ring. And, uh, yeah, cool to see Kane get the big win. Um, it's definitely surprising um, because we know they're not going to be done uh, yet this season. But it uh, feels like a good a good point to uh, you know kind of end the feud on. But they're going to keep on ticking here. 
another feud that's going to keep on going, uh, even though it seems like it might be done, is for the Intercontinental title. It is our next contest as Chris Jericho is going to win the Intercontinental title by defeating China. I like this a little bit better than uh, the previous month's encounter. I went with the two. Yeah, I want to put the same uh, at two and a half. Well, maybe a blip better. I had that two and a quarter. Yeah, it seems like they had a little bit more chemistry this time around. Um, the lines are a little bit more defined. And the crowd is super into Jericho here. And he wins with the walls clean. Um, and this felt like, okay, like Jericho's here finally. This is kind of, again, I think what people were waiting for. So I was serious. Um, and it was tighter. It was less awkward. The strikes were a little bit tighter overall. Mm-hmm. Maybe Sorry Series is just an off night for them. Maybe it was some butterflies to China, whatever it was. Uh, they figure it out here. And I think they, they got a little bit more comfortable working with each other. Um, and then after backstage, they shake hands. So we'll see where it goes. But uh, yeah, this is this felt a little bit more like Jericho's coming out party. Yeah, after uh, crushing her thumb with a ball pin hammer and <laughs> yes. promising a, sex, a gender change and everything else they've gone through. Uh, what a way to end it by shaking hands. That's that's good stuff there. Uh, our next contest is for the World Tag Team titles as we've got the Rock and Sock Connection taking on the New Age Outlaws. Rock and Socks are going to win. And I went with the three. Um, yeah, I wasn't as into this one as you. I went two, two and three quarters. It was fine. It, it feels like, I know it's like a holding pattern type thing for Rock, but it also feels like a waste of his services. Uh, Rocket Sock is obviously super over. They had the massive uh, number they did for This Is Your Life. So I get it. They're a main event level act. But it feels, and it's kind of a super team match too, fighting the Outlaws. So, okay, maybe it's not a full waste. Again, they're parking him here. It just feels like kind of a throwaway, him being in the tag division with the tag titles at this point. Uh, And really all it ends up being is a proxy for Al Snow's heel turn. Uh, you know, we found out he's the one that threw Mick Foley's book in the trash and all this other stuff, nonsense going on, uh, back when Mick thought it was Val, when they fought back in No Mercy. Um, so, and then Snow comes in a couple of times here and causes the DQ and it looked like they were starting a rock Al Snow feud, which would have been crazy coming off the failed rock Mr. Ass feud. Like, and again, I think we end up seeing it's just a real brief holdover. I think Rock does face him on TV and beats him. Yeah. And that effectively ends Snow's run but um, or push. But yeah, I just again, I feel like we're way over our heads with Snow at this point. If I'm the Rock and you're pitching Al Snow to me, I'm leaving for WCW right away. <laughs> right. No Unless it's like, okay, hey, you're going to feud with Al Snow for two weeks on TV until we're ready to get you for the Rumble. I mean, that's all I can think of, right? Yeah, this is this is a a stretch, especially when you start bringing in the uh, December pay-per-views where it's like, how are we going to keep our top babyface who's going to win the the Royal Rumble and go on to WrestleMania uh, in the main event? What are we going to do to possibly keep them busy that doesn't involve them, you know, winning the title or losing a big title match? So um, a good piece of like booking just to try to keep Rock busy until then. But um, even so, I would still leave the company if they tried giving me Al Snow. (laughs) <laughs> well, he did throw the book in the trash, so he needed revenge. Yeah. Uh, our next contest is not the main event, but it is for the WWF title. Big Show is going to retain by defeating the Big Boss Man. I went with a score, too. What about you? Yeah, me too. It, it's a squash. I mean, this is just pay payback for all the shit that the uh, Boss Man put Big Show through 
again, just more garbage leading up to this stuff. You know, not I think the most intense stuff was over by this point, but there's a lot in there still about him just taunting him over his dad and everything else. So this is this is Big Show getting his ultimate, finally getting his hands on Boss Man. So very serious, Boss Man scampered off, so he wasn't able to get his hold on, uh, hands on him, but he does get a hold of him here and just completely destroys him. And, uh, you know, I think it was interesting. I think it shows that they're in the bag a little bit with like confidence that they're putting big boss man in the title match on the yeah. pay-per-view. Um, but you know, when you're buoyed by the rock and sock connection versus the outlaws and then, you know, what we have coming in the main event, you're also without Steve Austin. Uh, so maybe you're a little bit light and why not? Like the fuse has been hot. Boss man's been working his ass off. Yeah. Give him his little moment. Let big show destroy him. That works well too. So two stars and it was what you needed a cathartic beat down by, by big show yeah they're kind of like stepping uh i'm not out of bounds but like they are taking a bit of a risk or a chance uh by not having like rock or mankind or triple h involved in the title match you don't have austin so that's not a possibility so you got this new champ big show but the person he's facing is a big boss man who's you know been with the company <laughs> since uh on and off since the 80s so um you know it's not really that much of a uncalculated risk you know boss man is really solid on the mic character work has been phenomenal since SummerSlam, as you pointed out so i i think this was a really good decision to to kind of like put boss man in there with big show hopefully you know settle him down and give him that wf main event exposure uh boss man is a really over character so i think this is a, a good program for big show uh you know what seems to be establishing his title run and i think big show also had been going on a stretch of like beating random people on Raw or SmackDown. Like I think Viscera gets a title shot somewhere. I could be making that up, but um, I feel like they kind of do the the fighting champion thing, the same thing they kind of do in WCW, uh, mm-hmm. where he's like taking on Jim Powers, <laughs> right, just destroying everybody. Yeah, yeah. Uh, everybody gets a world title match and gets choke slammed in five seconds. So um, cool to see them do that. And that takes us to our, I guess, our special attraction main event. Mm-hmm. As we have fighting for the honor of his family, Vince McMahon versus Triple H. Triple H wins. Uh, there is plenty of uh, pathos going on here. I went with three. I went three and a half. Uh, I thought it held up pretty well, even though it was probably... <sighs> I don't know, five to 10 minutes too long. I mean, it went 30 minutes. Yeah. So you could probably get a shaved a bit off of this. A lot of pathos, but they also, I mean, it's, it's pretty hard hitting. They really hit the shit out of each other. Um, there's a lot of heat here because triple H had been really tormenting Stephanie and the family. And Vince had to step in to stand up for them. So there's, there's a lot going here uh, that works. And of course we do get the big turn at the end where Stephanie gives triple H the, or, or kind of lets Triple H take the sledgehammer and pin Vince, and then she gives the little smirk, and they hug. Um, you know, and they busted their ass. They really worked hard. Like, this could have been a stinker with 30 minutes with these guys, but it connected. And I think this is where, you know, we've seen multiple steps of Triple H becoming Triple H. I think we're on the doorstep now. Like, this is, he's right there. He'll get the one last push over the edge next month, but for now, like, okay, he's got the girl, he's got the belt, he'd be, beat the well he hasn't the belt back yet but soon beat the owner and and dad and you know took his daughter so like it's maybe this is finally the package that's gonna seal it um and and the turn was you kind of started coming but it's still pretty well done 
And I think it needed to happen. Like, I think you needed it to occur to get Triple H over and, you know, see where we go from here. Yeah, we'll definitely see where we go. Uh, you know, I think you know, we can talk about it when, when we uh, do the plus mm-hmm. and minuses. But um, I, I think a lot of the build heading into this is finally the thing that got Triple H over the hump and uh, really made him a household name uh, as far as, you know, wrestling fans are concerned. So, um, decent match, uh, you know, three for me, 3.5 from you, a special attraction, main event, a little bit of a spectacle, you know, even though we've seen Vince, you know, a lot on TV, we haven't really seen him, uh, in matches too much this season. So, um, that's kind of cool to see. Mm-hmm. And, you know, given everything, all the build that had gone into it, it is deserving of the main event spot, like understand why they went that way. So, you know, I think traditionally you'd like to see your title close, but also given that this is a special attraction, Vince is stepping into the ring. Uh, it's a personal issue, yada, yada, yada. You've been building Triple H this entire season. Understand why it closes, this, uh, closes the show. Yeah, I mean, you weren't going to close a boss man big show for sure. So it, it made sense to end, end the show on this, especially with the big turn. Mm-hmm. Um, so that all nets out to one point, negative 1.25. Jesus Christ. 1.25 war. Um, so, I mean, it looked better than Survivor Series, still on the negative side, but you know, closer to, to washing out than not, which is you know, okay. So that's that's good. The matches were a touch better here in the Survivor Series. We had more three sprinkled in and two, two and three quarters, not as much crap. Um, so let's get to our uh, plus and minus, though, and we'll see where things all wash out. For our build, we gave a point for the Dudleys beating down Edge and Christian, heading into the Tag Team Battle Royal. Uh, Angle and Blackman actually did have a feud going into this, and Angle is being condescending toward Blackman. Uh, Rikishi defending uh, fat, fat, healthy people versus the Hollies and saying, you know, <laughs> That's right. fighting that bad body image stuff against uh, That's right. that bully hardcore Holly and uh, mocking fat people. Uh, X-Pac really pushing Kane to the limit with... Uh, his machinations and movements on Tori, and that's what makes Kane snap and destroy him in the cage. The Rock and Sock team growth got a point. You know, they started when it was a joke, and Rock kind of hated Foley and didn't give a shit about him. And by now, they've kind of become more like peers and Rock tolerating this goof. Bossman torching show continued. And of course, their intensity ramping up between Triple H and the McMahons that occurred a lot leading up to this. It also, you know, part of the bill was Triple H showing Shane off the stage, right? That was leading up to this. Yeah, yeah, that was a cool moment. And then we gave three points to. I think we have very few. This might be our first three. This first one. Triple H, Triple H marrying Stephanie. Um, to me, it was a great. It was a really funny segment. First of all, Uh, it was well done. (laughs) It was well thought out, right? Because you play it throughout the night where uh, Stephanie gets drunk at her bachelorette party, and we find out later that her drink was spiked, and. Triple H drives her. I mean, of course, this is all not something that probably happened uh, work today. But Triple H takes her unconscious to a um, drive-through chapel. wedding chapel in Vegas, and he does the you know who am I? I'm Triple H, right? And then he does the uh, <laughs> you know mimics her voice to get married. Oh yes, I do. And right, and so then the match itself is play off that. And of course, when you layer in what this means for both the characters and the shadiness of him drugging her and doing that is not as bad when, and when you look back because it was all fake, she wasn't really drugged. She didn't, you know, this, they were working together. So it takes the sting a little bit out of the creepiness of it. Um, when you layer in the, 
real life ramifications of what their marriage meant <laughs> to wrestling history. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, this is where they start having their affair around this time too. So there's a lot going on. It's just a very important thing that happens in company history when they go to that chapel. Yeah. I mean, for better or for worse, this, uh, till death to his part, this is uh, a union on screen and off screen that has uh, affected wrestling more than, or I should say WWE more than, uh, any other, like this, this is, this is huge. And, uh, it really does get triple H over the hump. Uh, we've seen him try a number of things throughout this season Mm -hmm. and, uh, none of them seem to stick. Uh, they've taken DX away. They've put DX back with him. He's had China. He hasn't had China. Uh, he's had, uh, the chairs with Austin. He took Austin out. He uh, go on and on. Uh, they've tried everything with Triple H so far this season, but this is the thing that's going to stick and really get him uh, to be on that as close as I think you can get to that tier with you know Undertaker, uh, Rock, and Stone Cold Steve Austin, and um, even Foley. So Triple H is finally up there with those guys. Um, so good piece of business there. Uh, ready to get into the negatives? Let's do it. All right. Uh, the tag team division. Uh, no direct feud or focus uh, to work up the ladder. Like we said, it is a lot of teams all kind of fighting it out. And, uh, you know, they do decide to go with the accolades. But uh, as far as the build going into it, it's really hard to see what direction they're going to go into. Uh, random Euro- European title match. We talked about that. Jericho and China feud is a mess. There's a uh, kidnapping. There's the attack mm-hmm. of the hammer. There's so much stuff. It's just uh, really, really. And even the build video is just like, it's just a music video with their theme music. <laughs> like you yeah. can't even tell what the hell's going on. <laughs> it's, it's a mess. Um, uh, we got the uh, snow heel turn and push and uh, our poor boy, Andrew test Martin officially uh, cucked as hard as you can be cucked. All right, uh, so that gives actually a five for build, so pretty good there um, overall coming into what's usually a forgotten show. So they did put a lot of effort in. Uh, commentary, JR and King are on points, as always, with telling the stories. They have clear, crisp explanations. You can tell they know what they're talking about. JR does a nice job trying to cover boring chance during the angle match. I said the fans are just doing it to piss off an angle and mess with him. The usual King just roasting May and Moolah. Uh, and then JR's hot for the main event. He's rooting for Vince to defend his daughter. He's very into that. What's going on? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's um, got to get to see the dad, Jim Ross, come out a little bit. So that was that was cool to hear. Uh, as far as our minuses, we've got Horny King at his horniest during the pool uh, contest. Oh. King is really annoying talking about Kane's tiny penis. And uh, <laughs> Jim Ross, again, uh, gets his dad on, telling him to stop with the penis in your windows. And uh, I think King even pops because J- Jim Ross says penis on air. And uh, <laughs> JR asks King if he likes doggy style. Yep. So that actually, we got to bump that up. That should be a one, uh, not a zero, because we had four positives. So uh, positive one for the war okay. there. All right, atmosphere. Uh, really fun opening video package of the show. They always do a good job with those year ends. Um, too cool is suddenly way over out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. So good for them. Uh, good heat on Kurt Angle. Uh, big pop for Kitty Titties, of course, when she rips that off. It's crowd goes nuts. Uh, Rikishi's ass-based offense is already really over. 
Uh, he's getting that over quickly. We get the huge pop for Kane. We get the cool China and, and cat entrance and matching outfits. So uh, both holding up their titles, newly won. A uh, massive pop for the rock. And then a really unique set with all like the end of days type stuff and the Jeep. And, you know, they all end up, they end up using a lot of that during the, the main event. So. Yeah. And uh, we'll get into the minuses. A loud, boring chance during Angle Blackman. Uh, very heel heavy roster. It affects the reactions. It's affecting the matches. It's affecting, uh, you know, the card structure itself. So just a lot of bad there. Uh, <laughs> this is the worst iteration of Foley. Uh, he's got the blue button down. Kind of looks <sighs> like a, a ref from uh, 1987 or something. Terrible. And, uh, yeah, the, the crowd is losing steam uh, over the super long main event. 30 plus minutes um, is a tough ask, I think especially during this era where everything's kind of like boom, boom, boom. So uh, that's going to be it for the uh, minuses there for atmosphere. All right. Uh, so that's a five total. So again, this shows carrying a little bit better than you may think when you look at building an atmosphere so far, and we'll see where moments, if it continues the trend of 99, uh, the acolytes are in the Royal rumble tag team title match. So big point there. They'll go on to the rumble to face the outlaws. Uh, the Dudley push creeps forward. So, you know, there was a lot of, of curiosity when they came in. Would they be just like Public Enemy and wash out quickly, or would they actually translate with that gimmick? Um, you know, at this point when they jumped, they were most over it because they could swear and talk shit on fans and say some nasty stuff. And so a lot of people wondered, like, how are they going to translate that to this different atmosphere? So you can see it's working, uh, at least originally uh, here, as, as originally intended. We get the debut of the Three Eyes from Kurt Angle on pay-per-view. Uh, of course, a big mo- moment for Kitty's titties. Uh, we got Rikishi's pay-per-view debut. He's already using the two cool music and the Rikishi driver. Uh, Val winning the European title. DX uh, being the swarming horseman act as part of the Triple H's, uh, you know, reformation as a top heel. Uh, Kane just murdering X-Pac after he hurts Tori. Jericho winning the IC title. Big Boss Man uh, getting what I believe to be his only ever a pay-per-view world title match. You know, not counting the 92 Rumble. Uh, Big Show's uh, just being, again, established as a dominant world champion. Stephanie turning heel and joining Triple H. And Triple H debuts the Sledgehammer on pay-per-view as his weapon mm. of choice. So, a lot of big moments here. Yeah. Uh, Sledgehammer is a big one, too. It's another, uh, <laughs> this maybe the second most important union uh, we've seen on screen. Uh, in our minuses, we've got uh, Blackman laying out Kurt Angle after the match. Probably could have done without that. Again, a confusing heel face dynamic there, and it really just all up and down this card. Uh, we got creepy uh, <laughs> David Silver variant, Michael Cole creeping on mm. BB, more garbage, uh, treating the women's division as a joke. Uh, Rikishi taking a clean pinfall, or at least taking the pinfall loss. Uh, heel Al Snow nonsense, just above above his head. Mm-hmm. Appreciate the effort, but enough is enough with Al Snow. It looks like a goof. Like he fails to help, and then he ruins the match. Then he gets laid out anyway by Ryan. Like he looks like a <laughs> fucking idiot. Yeah, and um, that's that's it. Yeah, that's everything. So that's a total of eight. So big moments there uh, for this show. Again, one you may not think of. So I think what we're learning tonight, Marcus, is they did not really mail in the end of the year here in '99. Like these are two important shows, and it's you know maybe it's a factor of the new creative. Unit, yeah, trying to come in and, and get things going and not just punting. Um, but these shows end up having a lot of stuff going on. 
Yeah, I, th- I, th- I think that could be uh, a huge part of the show, you know, not really just settling. Uh, they've got to get things tracking towards the Royal Rumble, as we'll cover in our next episode. Um, so, yeah, I think the show definitely benefits from there, but uh, we'll see how everything holds up. we still got a couple categories left. All right, match grades negative 1.25, like we talked about. Card structure, we give a point for opening with the Battle Royal, and especially, uh, you know, just a lot of excitement for that. And then another point for Godfather opening the show, as always. Um, and a good variance of match types. The, the show kind of moves along. You have a lot of different acts on this card. Mm-hmm. Uh, even with all the heels, it's still um, a good variance in, in match types and structure. Yeah, you almost get that variety show type um, feel to this card, which I really like with wrestling. You get all kind of different matchups with guys of different sizes and different stories. It, it makes for a, a brisk and entertaining watch. Uh, but let's get into our minuses. Uh, Angle would have been better facing off a true face, especially so early mm-hmm. on into his run. Uh, Rikishi and Viss being a confusing team as well. Also going up against heels, uh, Snow ruining the tag match just as it was really starting to heat up and get into another gear. Uh, Al Snow ruins everything. Uh, way too long of a main event. Uh, going backstage to drag out a long match late into the night. It just wasn't a strong decision. Mm-hmm. And uh, we talked about it. A little bit earlier, it is somewhat of a risk that they took, but a weak world title match means it can't main event. Um, so we did have to address that. Yeah, I just, you know, the world title should generally close. We thought we were okay with it because of what this ended up meaning long term. But coming in, I could see thinking like, all right, show is kind of a weak champion. He can't even close this. He's kind of a placeholder, um, transitional type deal. So. It felt that way. It felt like Triple H yeah. and Vince were the, the biggest angle. And the belt should be there. I mean, to me, coming out of this, you think, okay, even though Big Show looked good destroying Boss Man, you're feeling that the belt should be with Triple H, probably. Mm-hmm. So negative three overall for card structure. Uh, rewatchability, obviously we give a point for Kitty's titties. It's, it's one of the all-time rewatchables in of history. And then Big Boss Man torturing uh, Big Show. Uh, <laughs> um, as always, a rewatchable for me, that video package, building this up. My daddy, my uh, daddy. So it's two because we didn't have any negatives, but we did have an all-time bad match in the pool. I felt bad because it's such a big moment, but the match itself was was stupid. Um, so negative one there brings us to a total war of 15.75, Marcus. So wow. again, a really strong outing for Armageddon 99 puts it in the top 11 of shows. Like that's pretty good. It's right below King of the Ring 99 and it's above WrestleMania 28, um, which is nuts to think about. Yes, nuts. I wouldn't have thought that. And it's, I mean, it's almost, almost doubles up. It's one, one uh, war away from doubling up uh, Survivor Series 99. So, I mean, this show is basically twice as good as, as Survivor Series. Yeah. Well, the matches were a little bit better and just a lot happened. I mean, that's a big part of these shows in 99. Just tons of stuff going on constantly in big moments and uh, important things. So, um, all right, so that'll do it here tonight. We'll be back in two weeks' time. We're going to look at uh, the beginning of 2000. We're going to talk about Rumble 2000 and No Way Out 2000 as we get on the doorstep of, of our third WrestleMania and closing out our third season, which is nuts. <laughs> but here we are already. Um, anything else you want to touch on before we wrap up? I don't think so. That's it for me. Okay. All right. Everyone, continue to live your life above replacement level. Go together like a horse and carriage Dad was told by mother You can't have one 
You can't have none. You can't have one without the other. Separate them. It's an illusion. Try, 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 and you will only come to this conclusion: love and marriage, love and marriage, go together like a horse and carriage. Dad was told by mother. You can't have one. You can't have none. You can't have one without the other. 